0: Hello, boys and girls. It's time for another episode of the Seminal Wrap, a podcast about all things Florida State. I'm Tim Allenball, and tonight I am joined by our leader from Tomahawk Nation, Perry Costanakis, my good friend Juan Montavo. We're gonna be talking all things Florida State. It's been a fantastic week so far for the Florida State Athletic Program. We'll get into baseball, we'll get into basketball, and then we'll dive into some football recruiting with our good friend David Stout. All that and more on this week's Seminole Rap. Seminole Rap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as I miss. to what? Uh,
1: sorry, no, Obi waited until after you finished to start shaking his ears. <laughs> so I still telling thank him, you.
0: thank you Thanks. for being quiet. Thank, thank you, thank you, Obi. <laughs> All right. As I mentioned, we are joined by my friend, our leader, our hero, Perry Costadakis. Perry, it's been a while since you and I chatted. How are you, buddy?
1: Oh, good. I'm especially good because I'm back with my good friends, but especially because the Super Bowl is over. Like, I didn't even get to enjoy the fact that my miserable, god-awful loser franchise finally got another Super Bowl because I was nonstop working the whole time. But now it's kind of setting in. Tell me how you really feel here um i hate tom brady but he gave me joy so my body doesn't know how to react i guess is the more
2: accurate i think tom brady everybody joy with his performance on the boat parade after the super bowl though that was probably one of the more entertaining couple of like hours of, of sports media and memes after that just tom brady like well it was actually avocado tequila boys well that's
1: what we had a camera like literally directly next to him that wasn't on air that i just was going through the archive footage after the fact and Ryan Griffin, the backup quarterback, first, it, you know, the guy holding Tom Brady, like as he's yeah. stumbling in, he's holding him and going, you're the best effing player to beat in the NFL ever. You have more effing titles than any other franchise, any other person. And then <laughs> Tom Brady's not listening. And then just goes, Cam, Cam. He goes, Cam, I almost hit you in the face with a trophy. So like it is the <laughs> most likable that unlikable <laughs> person has ever been in his life. So it's very.
2: This is, this is definitely not a Tom Brady podcast, but I think this is a Tom Brady <laughs> drunk on a boat appreciation podcast.
0: That's all we need. He, we went, like he went. He went full Gronk. You never go full <laughs> Gronk. He went so <laughs> full gronk. Uh That other voice you're hearing is the sultry tunes of Juan Montavo. Juan, how are you, buddy? i'm doing pretty well and just uh just a
2: weird one for you here uh just like perry i'm battling some rats here at the homestead uh perry (laughs) he didn't he didn't bring it up because but he's just he's just getting back into his home not just because Mm -hmm. he's been doing the super bowl uh recording but because he had a rat in his wall i've been battling rats in my walls so uh this is not just a tom brady drunk appreciation podcast but it is a uh rat murder appreciation podcast. Um, anti-rat
1: anti-rat for sure
2: we're not team rat on this. Uh, we like. We're going to call it robber coverage. We're not going to refer to rats in the hole anymore.
0: <laughs> uh, one, I can always count on you to bring something weird to the podcast. That's why That's you're my here. My job, Join exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the good stuff, boys. It's been a fun week for Florida State. Uh, the baseball program kicked off. They unfortunately lost their season opener to North Florida, but they did win the series two to one after taking a doubleheader earlier today. Uh, We'll hear more from Brett Nevitt on his podcast, uh, Sunday Gold, with with some insights, what he thinks uh, on Florida State and how they did there. But Juan, I know you caught up with some of it. You were able to see some notes there. Uh, What were your thoughts on how the uh, series went for Florida State? Yeah so obviously you know opening day loss for
2: the second year in a row from uh, for from Mike Martin Jr uh but that was you know Parker Messick was your opening day starter he had a rough outing uh but when you when you hear Brett talk about it and I'm sure he and Arya are going to talk about it on their podcast but he's the sort of guy who will bounce right back from that I mean he's he's a stud he's a talented guy and you know opening day blip but they ended up winning the doubleheader today We're recording Sunday night and uh they won both games and tell you what I mean I think that's Early days, of course, but uh, I think they're, they're, there's a talented team there, and it's a weird year with baseball. Um, obviously, they got canceled a lot earlier than most of the other spring sports did. Uh, basketball was all the way in the ACC tournament. Uh, baseball was, you know, only a few games in, relatively speaking. But um, they bring it like pretty much everybody back, uh, but everyone else does too. So it's going to be a really weird year in terms of figuring out. Okay, this is a really good FSU team, but everyone's going to be a little bit better than they normally are because they have. Everyone back basically. So, Florida State did a good job this weekend, and we'll see what that means going forward. And make sure you catch Aria and 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 Brett on their Sunday Golds podcast.
0: Yeah, you uh, you kind of touched on one thing I wanted to bring up with Parker struggling. Uh, the the starting rotation was something I was pretty excited about, but it's not uncommon for those those first few games of the year for for starters to really struggle as they're really getting their feet underneath them really getting stretched out there. So, uh, and it, it kind of seems like it's, it's a Florida state thing to lose your opening game uh, over the last few years, or at least struggle in the, op- in the opening series. I think we'll see Florida state bounce back. I'm excited to see like Carson Montgomery this year and some of the other players. Uh, like I said, we're not going to do it justice like Brett and them are going to do it. Uh, so check them out, but uh, it's good to get a series win. And I think Florida state and, and Mike Martin jr. Has, this baseball program headed in the right direction. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you know, the they they've been doing a phenomenal
2: job in baseball recruiting, and they've got they've got a good trio, I think, for the weekend starters. And we'll see we'll see how the midweek lineup shakes out. But uh, overall, going to be a good season. I'm looking forward to
0: it. Terry, big news today: the Florida State women's basketball team beat the number three Louisville Cardinals. I can't tell you how much that makes my heart race, being that I live up here in Louisville. <laughs> Uh, love it. I mean, that was huge for, for Florida state who has battled COVID stoppages a ton this year. Haven't had their whole, haven't had their, their head coach all year. So it's been a hard year for them to get this win. It's definitely the highlight of the season for this program.
1: Yeah. They had been on like moderately a hot streak recently before dropping a game against Georgia tech. I think it was a three game win streak, which was needed. Like if they're going to make it to the dance, they need to rack up those wins. But as Prince Jofer, I almost said Akeem Jofer, Wait, no, Akeem Jofer's is the correct name, right? I've never seen Coming to America. Yeah. I almost said Jaffe.
2: <laughs> of course you I wouldn't, haven't
1: seen I've never seen was. Coming to America. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know everybody's turning the podcast off now. But anyways, he clarified in his article today, like, FSU does not have a bad loss yet. They only have good wins and they have understandable losses. And so mm-hmm. today, if they had lost to Louisville, it wouldn't have been a death knell to their um, tournament chances. If any like, but now they're in a way better position. And just overall, if you have not been paying attention to Prince's coverage, which I believe is the only consistent Florida State women's sports coverage on the beat, which we appreciate them so much for, because if you want a Florida State team that's actually successful, you usually have to go to the women. Um <laughs> but he's just been killing it all season. Like even before the Louisville game, he mentioned that a win was a likely outcome. Like he knew that they have what it takes. He's been on top of everything. It's, I can't stop enough. You hear me gushing. Now it's turning into man crush. Like he's, but yeah. he's doing the thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So check out Tomahawk nation uh, Prince has The coverage there uh, for, like you said, basically every woman's sport. Uh, he, I don't know, even know where he finds the details be honest with you, like you can't even Google it. You can't even Google and find this info, but huge win over Louisville uh, and huge win for the program. Uh, if it wasn't for COVID, they would have a much better shot at the tournament as it stands. I think they're nine and six. So that record isn't as pretty when you look at like Louisville's 20 and two. But um, this was this was a huge win. And definitely if they're going to make it, this was a game they had to win. So mm-hmm. awesome news there speaking of winning basketball teams which just about, happens
1: all the time at florida state
0: <laughs> <now>. <laughs> how about coach ham and the men's basketball team not just beating virginia but stomping virginia oh my gosh i think it, it was so fun to watch that game uh I, to to just see florida state come out and just Beyond fire. I, mm-hmm. I love it. When, they, when, when Florida State comes out hot, you can just feel it. It is just this tidal wave of momentum and it suffocates the other team. Uh, and, and you're just waiting for somebody to just have some ridiculous dunk for the bench to go crazy uh, and for Florida State to just flex their might on another team.
1: The thing is, the bench went crazy, not on a dunk, but on the most beautiful play I've seen from a Florida State basketball player in like years the balsa three, like, Oh my gosh. When the big man <laughs> hit the three, Oh, Oh, my heart fluttered because not only do I have FOMO of being able to make a three pointer, but just the fact that he's a tall person. So like, it was just double, like, <laughs> oh, I
0: wish I was you, but it felt good. So it's very nice. Yeah. But right before that, he did the kind of between the leg, crossing, yeah, uh, shake up. Yeah, he's very good. Like know, the, just right the behind people, the free throw line. Yeah.
1: Hamilton has a range of, like, big men that aren't just, like, giant freakazoids who stand out of the basket and dunk it. It's just great to see. Like, it is handball coming to fruition completely. And what I like most about the Virginia win was following that up with the Pittsburgh win that they were double-digit in the lead most of the time. And then mm-hmm. Hamilton still emphasized after the fact, like, we are not doing what we need to do. Like, we are almost there. Like, we have such a better future ahead of us. And then shout out to Austin Cox. Let's pimp some Tomahawk Nation out some more. Cause he's been on all of these pressers. He's been after every game. He's on there talking to him. And they just emphasize we have more to do. Like they are used to the turmoil of the season. The fact that they had a home game on Thursday. And then within two hours, they had an away game in Pittsburgh. And they still rebounded and still managed like to come out with a successful win. And what was especially nice to see in that pittsburgh game was that they were able to shut down justin champagne well i don't know if it's from france so he might just be justin sparkling cider Uh <laughs> oh there we go there's the reaction oh, that i was looking for man but it is just like kind of a preparation for the tournament when you run into those teams that are pretty good but they just have that one like this kid might actually be acc player of the year like he is very very talented very very good leader, I still believe in points and rebounds and they managed to withstand that. So between beating a Virginia team that consistently like shuts you down and chokes the life out of you and makes you hate the sport of basketball (laughs) to beating Pittsburgh with their talented player. It was very nice to see.
0: The thing that stands out to me is it's not the same player each game being the star for Florida State. Mm -hmm. You know, like Saturday, MJ Walker really struggled. Yeah. um and so you had gray and you had Barnes step up and against virginia you know, you had balsa having a huge game uh you had gray who had another big game uh but you had anthony polite who, who came who recently came back from injury knocking down threes and it's it's just it is a team like that is playing great when when they're when, when they're winning games it's not because one guy is just a stud it's because somebody's going to come in whether it's calhoun or somebody like that they just got an all-around team that's so deep that if one person's struggling somebody else is going to step up in their spot and uh and and help carry the team yeah
2: i mean in both of those games you had you had four guys who were who had scored 11 points (laughs) or better i mean they just they spread spread the ball around in terms of who's going to be scoring and like you said it's different from game to game and makes them a tough out i mean you know when when it comes tournament time so i mean i think it's it's a team that could be a lot of fun again Oh, it is yeah. a lot of fun. I mean, you and, you, you saw them uh, <laughs> out <of> Virginia.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, one final piece of good news before we go over to talk to our friend David Stout. Florida State was busy in the 2023 recruiting class this past week, picking up two commitments, both defensive ends. Uh, one, Gabe Harris, up there in Georgia, 6'4", 235-ish, just uh, a violent, violent <laughs> pass rusher. Part of a trio of players that are very interested in Florida State. Uh, so we could see some uh, additional defensive ends coming, uh, defensive end commits coming soon yeah. from that group. Very interested,
1: also... Ital- Italics and bold. Very interesting. Like highlight, <laughs> all caps. I'm sure you guys get into it. Yeah. But I just had to pretend that I was smart real quick.
0: Yeah, once Denzel Moore gets to visit campus like he wants to, I think we could see a commitment from him. And then Santavia Smith is the other one who he'll probably be the last if he commits as well, but also, uh, uh, something I am super excited about <laughs> Lamont Boots Green Jr. Also pulled the trigger. I love this player. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about him being, I, I know it's 2023. I know that's years away. <laughs> I know so much can happen, but like this is a sure as commit as Florida state has had in a long time. He his dad has pushed him put him through torture already (laughs) with some of the crew or some of the training exercises he hasn't do on Twitter. Uh so coming on Florida State and picking up their their program should be a breeze for him, but he's an instant impact player. Both of those players are instant impact type guys, and the Florida State defensive end room is suddenly got a bright future ahead of it.
2: I was about to say, like the best thing about still being 2 years away from from Boots playing for FSU is we get 2 more years of Boots and his dad posting these videos of boots just being put through the ringer. Um, yeah. I think, I, I don't know how many cars he's flipping are, uh, but I think he's progressed from, from like small cars to small SUVs. Uh, by the time he's a high school senior, he's going to be flipping like navigators. you to be smashing
1: um, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so,
2: the, so one of the cool parts is he's a legacy obviously. And uh, Gabe, Gabe Harris is from South Georgia. He's from Thomasville. St. Kavius Smith. He's from Albany. So you got two South Georgia guys there. As well as, um, as well as Denzel Moore, who's not from you know, Southwest Georgia within an hour of Tallahassee, but another Georgia kid. So mm-hmm. it's always good to see FSE doing well in Georgia, especially in a big position like that. You know, defensive end, which is one of the, you know, when, you, when you're talking Georgia defensive ends, those are guys that usually you end up going against the big guys for, you know? So it's good to see them on those guys early and, and getting talent early. So, especially in those places, so.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna talk about that here with David Stout next. We're gonna talk about those recruitments, those commitments. We're gonna talk about David's state of the recruiting articles up at Tomahawk Nation. And we're gonna talk about how Mike Norvell and John Papucci's mm-hmm. has flipped the defensive in room and the future there. I know I say his name crazy all the time. It's, that's my uh, attempt it's, to be it's Trey nice. Rowland.
1: It's it's very, it's very respectful in my
0: opinion. Johnny, yeah, P, it's, Johnny my, it's it's my attempt to be Trey Rowland, which I'll never be. But uh David knocked it out of the park in this interview. I can't wait for you all to hear that. So uh, check out what Dave has to say and also check out his articles on Tomahawk Nation. All right, so first things first, David, you've been writing here recently the state of recruiting articles for Florida State uh, on Tomahawk Nation. You've done quarterbacks and running backs, I believe. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I wanted to see if you could just kind of give us a little information about what you're doing with each of these articles, and then maybe talk about some of the names. Um, We'll start with quarterback first and then go to running backs. Yeah, sure. Happy to. So, um, yeah, I mean, basically what
3: what Josh and I have been doing in turn, Josh Pick, the other uh, recruiting guy, um, basically what we have been doing is we'll go through We'll take a look at who FSU has been interested in, and and Josh is able to actually get in touch with a lot of these kids um, via social media. And so we'll go through and we'll kind of just look at kind of what the needs are for FSU, and then we'll try to go through and say, all right, which of these offers strike us as legitimate, committable offers? If the offers aren't committable, are these kids that FSU is gonna keep warm for a while just to kind of see how the dominoes fall? um and then you know we go through because one of the things we really don't want to do is we don't want to put a bunch of you know huge names on there that we don't think that fsu has any chance with at least not at this time um just to you know to get clicks or anything like that so kind of the way we do this is you think of it as kind of a snapshot in time so when we write the article these are the kids that we know either are talking with fsu have high interest in FSU or FSU has high interest in them Um, and we kind of break it down that way so the first thing we did was the the quarterbacks and of course you've got you know uh, Nico Marchio who is who is committed and um, he's you know he's the guy right now but we are we're not comfortable saying that FSU is only going to take one quarterback in this class so now that could be you know they could get a guy from the transfer portal you know based on what options come available and how the high school ranks shake out um but we did put a few other names on there um guys like mj morris who is a who's a really exciting dual threat quarterback from atlanta um we put aj duffy on there uh aj duffy is a guy who just released his top four um and fsu is in that top four and he right now you know he's originally from california but he's playing at img right now Um, And we know that he really likes the FSU staff a lot. He's not really afraid of competition. I know that Nico's not really afraid of competition. So, you know, as of right now, if we had to kind of think who might be another high school quarterback, A.J. Duffy is a name that can come to mind. He also, you know, really likes Michigan State, Penn State, and Oregon. And then even though he didn't include them in his top four, we know that he's had a lot of contact with the Arizona State staff. So we're kind of keeping an eye on that. Um, and then when you're looking at the running backs, so, oh my gosh, I totally underestimated the time it would take to take some of these other articles because quarterbacks. I was like, man, we got like four names on there, we're rolling pretty, it's fine. And then here come the running backs, and we put like 12 guys on there. Um, but the names to to really keep in mind there, first of all, is Damari Austin. Um, he is an absolute beast. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, right now, he's ranked as a four star, and he's, I, I think he's outside of the top 250 in um, the class of 22 uh, that's going to end up changing. He will rise. I mean, he's got, he's got by now, probably 50 scholarship offers. And I mean, you're talking about who's who it's Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, Ohio state, Oregon, uh, just pretty much anybody who's in the top you could ask for has got him offered. Um, So he, we think that he is probably the top target for FSU. That's they're kind of shooting for the moon on him. Um, and then there are some some guys who are not as highly rated who we have our eyes on. Um, one of them is Jalen Lucas. Jalen Lucas is um, the younger brother of current Seminole Ja'Kai Douglas, and Jalen is a, he's a little water bug. He's five foot eight, one seventy five from Huma, uh Louisiana. But um, just fun, just exciting guy to watch, uh, really good in the return game. Um, I think I put in there one of my favorite phrases to use when I'm when I'm uh, working with kids on the football field is uh, quicker than a hiccup. And he is definitely quicker than a hiccup. I mean, it, he's just you blink and he's gone. So it's, it's really cool. And I know that FSU and Virginia are the top two for him. Yeah. Um, and you've got guys like Jalen Glover from Lakeland, um, and then Marlon Gunn Jr. You've got uh, recent offers who are Branson Robinson from Mississippi, Um, and then the other most recent offer is uh, Nicholas Singleton, who is up in Pennsylvania, but probably the most intriguing name on that list is the most recent offer, and uh, Josh texted me actually the night before the article was set to drop and was like, "Oh my gosh, we we offered um, this guy, and his name is Thomas uh, Castellanos, and he's from Waycross, Georgia. So right now he is he is unranked. Um, his first, I guess, big Power Five offer, if you want to call it big, is Kansas, um, but then FSU offered him, and this is his first major offer, and it's not going to be the last one. He plays four sports at a very high level. In addition to football, he plays basketball, soccer, track." Um, and he plays quarterback right now, and he, he passed for almost 3,000 yards and passed for 23 touchdowns, but then he rushed for another just under 1,000 yards and 24 touchdowns. Um, and so uh, Josh actually has it on good authority that FSU really likes him as a running back, um, but he is a stud in the making. So this is going to be another case of free scouting university striking again. Um, I think if Georgia eventually offers could be in trouble, but as of right now, you have to think that FSU sits really pretty for him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play the skill positions because they're going to have a lot of options. Um, And we know the coaches have a very interesting way of recruiting. They've taken wide receiver recruits and plugged them in at running back, um, as Mike Norvell has done, you know, Florida State at Memphis and Arizona State before that. So it's going to be interesting to see how all this shakes out. So it's something that we're planning on updating these state of recruiting articles just at different periods of time. We'll end up taking guys off the list, we'll add some more guys on the list, um, but it's going to kind of be a, a living, breathing thing. And what we love to see most of all is we love to see questions in the comments section. So if we didn't put a name on there that you think FSU should know, or if there's a guy that's, you know, highly rated and you're wondering why FSU's not in it for him, please ask away in the comments section. Josh and I try to do our best to be in there and answer questions for you guys. you know who knows you may unearth somebody that that FSU can you know maybe we can pass along to to somebody in the program and maybe you'll end up getting that kid an offer so um, definitely something to keep in mind as you're reading those articles.
0: So the the first time I wanted to call back to I don't think I have any questions for you on quarterback I think we've kind of talked about that a lot uh, Markio we know and Morris and AJ Duffy are the the two names like you said and uh, the I want to talk about. Castellanos, who you mentioned, uh, 5'11", 190. Uh, you, you described him, and he, he sounds a little bit like Cam Aker's light because uh, mm-hmm. Cam, was a, was a, Cam was the quarterback in high school, passed for a ridiculous amount of yards and touchdowns, but ran for much, a bunch of, and was just a monster athlete. Is there any similarity between these two?
3: Yeah, so Castellanos has a little bit of a slider build than Cam did coming out. But both of them, you know, I think the problem is people are going to look at them and say, well, he's too small to play traditional quarterback. And, you know, yeah, you've got the Kyler Murrays, you've got the Baker Mayfields, you've got the guys who are exceptions to that. But the way that that Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham have, have recruited quarterbacks so far tell us that they're not really looking for that kind of player. The thing about Castellanos that's really exciting is if they like him at running back, you can use him as a gadget back like you can line him up in the slot you can put him in the backfield whatever and every time the ball is in his hands and he's not past the line of scrimmage you're going to put the fear into the other team and say well technically he could throw this ball Um, because clearly i mean as evidenced by his stats he's got an arm on him and so these are the kind of guys that that Norvell really, really likes. Like, you, you know, you may not be able to plug him in and just say, oh, yeah, this kid is definitely going to be a running back or this kid is definitely going to be a quarterback. He could line him up at three or four different spots in the offense at any given time. He could do some wildcat with him. I mean, these kinds of guys, you're going to see more and more FSU going after because they give you so many different options um, for running, for throwing, for sweeps, whatever the case may be.
0: And so uh so hearing you say that, you know, we think about Cam. Cam was the carry the offense type running back and, and with his build and everything. So Castellanos probably doesn't quite have that build to carry the offense in full like Akers did, right? Correct.
3: Yeah. He I don't think he's gonna be a bell cow type guy. Um he might be somebody who, if they split time with another back, he would be, you know, splitting time with another back. I think of the offers that FSU has sent out so far at running back, the bell cow type guys, like the guys who can really handle that kind of punishment from a primary load, you're looking at, you know, Damari Alston for sure. I'd say maybe Branson Robinson. He's pushing 220 right now, 5'10", 220. Um, And then maybe a Nicholas Singleton. He's six foot, 210. Um, you know, those guys have have stronger builds and and a couple of them are just built like bricks. I mean, that's Demari Mario Alston. He's 5'11", 205. I mean, he's, he's just, he's like a cannonball, man. I mean, when he puts his head down, he just destroys people. It's incredible. And it's funny, because some of these guys too, when you look at their film, you know, of course, you're looking at, uh, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior film kind of stuff, and you're seeing them develop on this film. And some of them, you're like, you know, as the play develops, you're like, gosh, this guy's kind of slow for a running back. But then you see them crack that second level and they just turn on the jets and you're like, whoa, he, he definitely has the speed. Um, and so, you know, it's always interesting to see how guys grow and develop and how much weight they put on um, outside of a college strength and conditioning program by the time they enroll. But... A lot of these guys that FSU is after, like, they're, they're looking at these guys being contributors sooner rather than later. You know, it seems like Mike Norvell is not interested in taking guys who are going to need two to three years in a strength program, you know, a red shirt and then two more seasons before they hit the, the field. He's looking for guys
0: who can help him in the first couple seasons. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. You you definitely see that Mike Norvell wants to get those skill guys in, especially at running back. I mean, we saw Douglas last year, Toa Feely, uh, just about just basically every running back out there, they they all got some time in different ways, except for Corey Wren, which uh, I think maybe we'll see a lot more of him. Uh, One question, talking about Damari Alston, you're talking about he's a stud, everybody's in on him. What gives Florida State any kind of in with him? So with Alston –
3: yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say, cause it's, it's one of those things where again, he, this kid is going to have his choice of you know, wherever he wants to go. He's going to be able to go. It's, it's just, it's amazing when you see, you know, cause again, one of these things is you have to be careful sometimes with recruiting because a lot of times guys will report that they have certain offers, but those offers may not be committable, right? Or they may say, well, you know, you have an offer from us, but we need to see how A, B, and C are going to fall first, and then we'll talk. But with Damari Alston, I mean, I would I would be shocked if all 50 of them were not offers that he could immediately commit on. Um, you know, the, the proximity is always good. You know, Mike Norvell has said multiple times now in the last few weeks that know now that they've they're kind of setting the floor and the foundation with transfer portal guys and they've got a class in and everything he really wants to focus on the state of florida and then the southern you know mid to southern part of georgia that's where he's really looking to live and you know these guys have connections to louisiana alabama tennessee texas you know dillingham has the connection to arizona so you're going to see some recruits you know here and there that are offered from those places But this is going to be kind of ground zero for FSU recruiting, which is what it should be, right? Like you think of FSU, the most successful teams, you think about a high number of guys from Georgia, you know, a good number of guys from South Florida, but primarily the roster is full of Florida boys. And so I think that, um, you know, Norvell really wants to kind of go back to that. And, you know, with Austin, I mean, I don't want to give away too much in terms of what Josh has heard with Austin. I think that Florida State – is gonna find itself in the top group. But if guy, you know, if, if teams like Alabama or Ohio State push really hard, it's gonna to be tough. It, it's definitely going to be tough to to get him on board. But the good thing about what FSU has, like you know, you mentioned Lawrence Toefilly. He he really showed a lot last year. And you know we're we're excited about his development. And you know, you've got Corbin coming in, you've got DJ Williams. We're not quite sure what he's gonna look like yet, but he should be pretty good. But nobody at FSU is really like a bell cow. It's not like you can look at him and say, well, Cam Akers is there, and so he's going to get the bulk of the carries. So, you know, I want to go somewhere else and be the guy. There's still opportunity for someone to come in, and if they work hard and learn the playbook quickly enough, they can be the guy. You know, Mike Norvell is not – If he's got a stud there he's going to keep relying on his stud you know he's not going to rotate backs just to rotate backs and so i do think there's opportunity there but um i mean this is going to be one where fsu is really going to have to lean hard on relationships they're going to have to hope that they can get him on campus somehow if um you know if the ncaa keeps screwing around with what they're doing uh they're going to have to figure a way to get him on campus unofficially somehow like a lot of these other programs have done but uh, he's one that we think he is their top target, but I don't want people to get their hopes up and think, well, Austin's going to be in the bag because he is very much not going to be in the bag.
0: Great stuff there, Dave. You know, uh, hopeful that Florida State can pull off something like that, but if for some reason they don't get a bell cow this year, I know already in 2023, they have uh, Cedric Baxter committed and he's, he's a beast at running back. So if things just for some reason don't shake out a- exactly for State's way, if they can hang on to Baxter, they've already got a great start at running back for 2023. Oh,
3: man, you aren't kidding. And it's funny because we've we've seen some commenters in the comment section say, well, you know, a lot of these guys are like 5'9", 5'10", 5'11". Where's the big back? Like, where are the big back offers? And, oh, boy, that, that dude's coming. His name's Cedric Baxter, and he is a load. Um, you know, the thing about Baxter is – He's still growing. And so I mean, he's. it's amazing to look at a guy like this and think, you know, somebody who is already that big and that young can be so athletic. I mean, he's already um, I want I, I don't have his numbers offhand, but I think he's six foot one. And I want to say he's pushing 220. Um, and those those measurements were taken about a year ago. And so chances are he's a little bit bigger now. But um, he is just so athletic and he's a guy that is gonna give you a lot of options back there and somebody who is gonna be awfully tough to bring down in open space. So yeah, man, transitioning into the class of 2023, what a start we've got on that, huh? I mean, I know we're we're excited about 2022, but 2023, so you have three commitments so far. You've got Cedric Baxter Jr., the running back from Orlando, he plays for Edgewater and then you've just gotten two defensive ends who are really talented guys the first of them being gabe harris from up in uh, thomasville georgia uh defensive end and then you've got of course the guy uh boots green junior who is just i mean i can't say enough about this kid but um you know he's he's a stud too so you've got legitimately for to to start in your 2023 class you've got a legitimate five star and you've got two legitimate four stars and you really can't start much better than that for FSU.
0: I, I uh, You and I have been talking about Lamont Boots Green Jr. for over a year now. And uh, it, it was, we used to always joke about Julian Armella, Armella and you being on the uh, Julian Armella train and excited for that. I got to tell you, I am so excited about Lamont Green uh, Boots and what he's going to do at Florida State. I mean, that kid has potential to be an NFL stud, and and, uh, and he could probably come into Florida State right now as, as a true junior in high school and make an impact on the college level.
3: Oh, you aren't kidding, man, and I know that you and I have both said this. I, I'm sure Josh has said it, too. Everybody who's listening out there, just Google uh, and YouTube, go on YouTube and just put in Lamont Green Jr. Workout, and you're gonna see some of the workouts that his dad, Lamont Green senior puts him through and for those who don't remember, Lamont Green senior, uh, really good linebacker for FSU back in the dynasty days. He was a team captain in nineteen ninety eight and uh, he played uh, Falcons, right, Tim? He played for the Falcons? I think so. Yeah, I think he played for the Atlanta Falcons. and um he he just creates these just ridiculous workouts who, you know, as a, as a 35 year old man, I look at these things and I'm like, man, 16 year old me would be like, I, I, I might quit football before I do some of those workouts. They are just insane. But boots just crushes them. One after the other, he crushes these workouts. And yeah, I'm obsessed with this kid, man. I mean, you see him in the pictures. He's just this long lanky dude, tall drink of water. He's got his rec specs on. I mean, he is just, he is a character. And what's incredible about him is he's already six foot four he's over 200 pounds and he's gonna keep growing but what i love about boost jr and i you know for the record i still am on the julian armella hype train i still think he's the most important recruit coming up in 2022 but when you're looking at 2023 you hit the nail on the head man i mean this is a kid who can come in and will immediately be part of the rotation. May not be a starter right off the bat, but he's gonna be in the rotation right off the bat. And this is the kind of kid that under the right coaching, under the right strength and conditioning program, he is a program changer. I mean, this is a dude who defensive coordinators are gonna to have to specifically design schemes to avoid and neutralize boots. And uh, he's, you know, we, I, I want to plug uh, Coach AB, our Coach AB, who does some awesome stuff with his overreaction pieces. Um, and we we had one up at the top. Um, he called it "Boots on the Ground." Really good piece that shows you some film from Boots. And I want to highlight a couple of the things that that AB said. Um, you know, you talk about the with Boots. What what amazes me is the combination of speed and power that he has right now because when you look at Boots he's not by any means a refined prospect right now he's got he's still pretty raw in several areas but you see the tools that are there and you're just drooling over the potential because he's got a really great lethal first steps. I mean, some of the first steps he take, he's already caught, co- you know, he's already covering two and a half yards with his first step. It's incredible. So he has a great, um, a great sense of, of just, it's like he's magnetized to the quarterback. Um, and in his, in his freshman season down in South Florida, this dude racks up 80 tackles and five sacks as a freshman against that South Florida competition, which is just incredible. But as you see him, you know, you you see him, he's got really good balance. He knows about leverage. You know, you can tell his dad has taught him a lot about leverage. Um, He shows flashes of just this immense power that just shuts down, who, you know, it's, it's going to be like that, uh, I think of that scene in the blind side where you've got that little white kid right across from Michael Oer. and the little white kid's like, you know, I'm going to give him my best shot, I'm just going to lunge at him, and then Oer just puts him in the dirt. And uh, it's going to be vice versa on that, where the offensive tackle is just probably going to be on his rear end pretty soon when Boots goes through. So, yeah, this is the kind of kid that, again, I, I really try not to use hyperbole on these kinds of things, but it's really hard to understate the impact that a guy like Boots can have on a program like FSU, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of the 2023 kids it's hard to consider them hard commits, you know, so much can happen between now and then, but just with the family dynamic with the attention that they've shown him, I mean, I I would be shocked if he didn't stay committed to FSU. And this is going to be a guy that, you know, hopefully when they start opening camps up again and visits, he's going to be at FSU frequently. He's going to visit campus frequently. He's going to bring other players with him. He's going to spread the gospel of FSU down in South Florida. I mean, this is is going to be an asset for the next couple cycles, having a guy like him and a dad like Lamont Green Sr. kind of stump for your program.
0: David, you set me up with so much stuff I want to talk about, but uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Before we go to kind of defensive end in general, let's talk about the other guy you mentioned at the defensive defensive end spot, uh, Gabe Harris out of Georgia. We talked about Lamont being like 6'4, like 205, 210, kind of that long lean speed type rusher. Gabe Harris is like 6'4, 235 already, and they're perfect complements to each other. I think, you know, Florida State is already just having this revolution at defensive end. But 2023, starting off with with Lamont Green Jr. and Gabe Harris, man, if they didn't get another defensive end spot for 2023, I don't think they could even do much better than what they have right now. Yeah, you mentioned it. Gabe Harris is a tank.
3: He's, yeah, like you said, he's 6'4". Probably by this point, he's pushing 240. And it's not bad weight. It's good weight. And what I would want to say, people, you know, when you think about Boots, you think of a guy who is, like I said, he's like a missile guided. He's just a heat seeking missile that gets to the quarterback. When you think about Gabe Harris, think a little bit more of like a like a Chambry Jackson, because the cool thing about Harris, when you watch his film you can tell that he's, this is a guy who can stay outside or he can slide inside. You know, he can, if you need him at the three tech for a couple plays, he can give that to you because he is just strong as a bull. And what I, what I really jumps out. you know, what really jumps out to me, I would say looking at him from the defensive end spot, he's comfortable standing up. He's comfortable with his hand in the dirt. So that's, that's tough because, you know, usually, Younger guys like that, they find a stance that they like and they just tend to stick with it. But Harris shows you that he can do either of those two things because he's got some really good lower body strength. But what I see when I see him coming off the edge is he can set the edge so well. At this young of an age, it's amazing how he can set the edge and just completely blow up a play and force the offense to kind of do something different. Um, he's not going to be the most athletic guy you're going to see, but his athleticism is perfectly functional, and he's got super violent hands, which I love too. Like you, you know, you try to get your hands on him as an offensive tackle, he might break your wrist in the in the you know meantime of doing it. And um, I want to th- give a big shout out to to our Josh Pick because he's the first one that I've seen on the beat who's really kind of been banging the drum that. So there's a trio out there in Georgia. All three of them are defensive ends. Um, and you've got Gabe Harris, and then you all and he's from Thomasville. Then you've got Denzel Moore, who's from Suwanee, Georgia. Some of our readers may have seen that some crystal ball picks came in for Denzel. And then you've got a guy named Stantavius Smith, who's from Albany, Georgia. Make no mistake, all three of these guys are gonna be at the bare minimum regional recruits. I think all three of them are probably going to end up being national recruits. All three of them are guys that Georgia wants to keep in state. Clemson has has either offered or is monitoring them. Alabama has either offered or is monitoring them. You know, you get the you get the point. They're on the radar of everybody. High school kids a lot of times will say things like, you know, "Oh, I want to I want to stay with my buddy and we want to play together in college." these three have said that they've said that they want to play together in college we know for a fact that all three of them are really feeling fsu we think that denzel moore is going to commit to the good guys within the next few weeks probably um so i think you're going to have denzel moore and gabe harris in the fold pretty early i think smith is going to take his time a little bit more because he's you know ohio state's in his ear he's got some things he really wants to to look at more than the other two But all three of these guys are legitimate four-star prospects. So you could be, you know, if they follow through on their promise, you could be looking at a 2023 defensive end class of Boots Green, Gabe Harris, Denzel Moore, and Stantavius Smith, which I don't care who you are, that's going to be the number one defensive end class probably in the last 10 years. It's, it's absurd to think that FSU could land all these guys especially when you consider what we have seen from the defensive end position in the last
0: few years. Yeah, like I said, Dave, you're the perfect segue, man. The, the uh, Florida State is having a, like a defensive end renaissance <laughs> right now. Uh, they, they, um, You and I have, have gone on and on about Pat Payton and George Wilson, who they picked up this year. In addition to Sean Bray Jackson and, and and Josh Farmer, who can slide inside as well, yeah. I'm so excited for Wilson and, and Peyton once they get some some muscle on them. Uh, but for 2022, you've already got Aaron Hester. Um, you've all, you've already got Knowledge uh, of Kelly, and you know there's rumor that you got Marvin Jones Jr. out there wanting to to jump in as well um, when when he's ready. I mean. I I said it kind of jokingly, but Florida state is setting up to be a defensive end factory over the next four to five years. I mean, and once you get that momentum rolling, I think about Florida state in those dynasty years, how, you know, you had players like Boulware and the others that just Wadsworth, where everybody just wanted to keep being the next man that was, that was at Florida state as a defensive end, just crushing quarterbacks. And I think Mike Norvell, and John Papuchis has has got that rolling, and uh, Florida State could very well be like defensive in defensive in university for the next few years. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I'm so glad that you
3: mentioned uh, Nigel e. Kelly and Aaron Hester because you know we get so excited talking about the five star guys and the Marvin Jones Juniors and the boots and all this stuff. Th- so something that FSU fans need to be prepared for, you know, we always see the jokes on there that. You know, after a kid commits to FSU, he gets dropped in the rankings. It's the, you know, it's the opposite of the Bama bump. You know, kid commits to Alabama and they become a four-star. Kid commits to FSU and they drop 100 spots, whatever. Get prepared to see Nigelique Kelly's stock take off like a rocket. Um, he He is proving that he's probably a top 100 player, definitely a top 150 player. So we fully expect him to be a four star by the time the rankings come out right now. He's a three star. He'll be a four star. um, And he's got some good connections to Tallahassee and FSU. He's got some family connections to FAMU really, really loves the staff really likes the way he's being recruited, but some big time programs are sniffing around on him. And as he kind of keeps blowing up, he's going to get some offers. So this is going to be one where you know, wink, wink, FSU really needs to be committed in this in this recruitment because he's going to be tough to hang on to once all those big programs who are fully committed start sniffing around on him. And then you've got Aaron Hester, who, you know, we talk a lot about the legacies and we talk about the big three of what we've dubbed them the next breed or the new breed. Uh, you know, you've got the Julian Armella, you've got Marvin Jones Jr., and you've got the the latest official seminal and Lamont Green Jr., but uh, Aaron Hester, he, this is a kid who's a who's a legacy player, and he is no slouch in his own right. Um, he's ranked as a three-star right now, but he's a very, very solid player. And somebody who I think, you know, again, it's, it's it all depends on how quickly they learn the, the playbook and how quickly they're able to kind of adjust to the speed of college ball. I don't think he's going to take that long before he's out on the field getting some reps. And it's been so interesting, Tim, because, you know, you look at the – The defensive ends that FSU was able to bring in in 2021, Um, you know, the the edge rushers. You've got you know Pat Payne, you've got George Wilson, you've got uh, the Boogeyman Byron Turner Jr. And these are guys who, you know, they they may not be able to immediately contribute. They may find themselves in a place where they have to immediately contribute, but they're all going to need to add weight. They're going to need to kind of reshape their bodies a little bit more. You know, in an ideal scenario. These are guys who are who are maybe one maybe one and a half seasons away from really contributing heavily. Now they're probably going to be in there sooner than that but then you progress forward and you're looking at the Nigel Lee Kelly's you're looking at the Aaron Hester's and these are dudes who you know maybe a season at most and they'll be in the rotation, then you look at 2023. And you're like, whoa, these guys are going to be pushing starters for reps by the time they get on campus. So it's really cool to see the progression and the thought process between Norvell. Something that, uh, you know, our listeners and our readers should really give him a lot of credit for is when Norvell identifies a problem, like a position group, and says, all right, we need to flip this room, he's going to flip that room. I mean, we've seen it with the wide receivers. We're seeing it with the defensive ends. We saw it with the quarterbacks and what he's doing with the quarterback position. It's fantastic to watch. And it's really cool to see a plan come together, nonetheless, thinking that we are in a pandemic and for the vast majority of Norvell's time here, he has not been able to host kids on official visits. It's incredible to think about things when you look at kind of the entirety of the situation.
0: Yeah, You know, I think about the 2022 kids and the 2023 kids where we're some of the other coaches haven't had that opportunity to fully develop a relationship like the 2021 kids had where Norvell was really behind the eight ball. I guess you could say where Norvell's a little bit more on even playing ground with some of these other coaches on these positions. And you can see that with even playing grounds, Mike Norvell and his staff is uh, forced to be reckoned with. You're absolutely right. And it's what what really strikes me
3: is the amount of the kids who talk about the family feel at FSU. Most of these kids have never been to FSU and they're talking about the family feel already. So you've got guys like, you know, Coach Woodson, you know, Coach Papuchis, you know, Coach Yak, all of these guys. You know, Dugans is another one that gets mentioned a lot with family feel. Odell, you know, everybody always refers to Odell as Uncle Odell like they do. They just they have this way of translating the family feel through Zoom, which is incredible. I mean, you know, the, the meetings I have at work through Zoom feel anything but a family you know, at this point. So it's amazing to me that they're able to translate their vision. They're able to translate feelings around FSU's campus and the football program through the relationships they're developing. And not only are they doing this with with high school kids, they're having to do it with all the coaches in Florida as well. And so it's, it's something that you know they've definitely had some swings and misses. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, I think with all of the cards that have been dealt their way, you have to sit back and think, man, you know I wonder what would be happening if if none of this had ever happened or if things get back to normal, you have to wonder, like whenever things get back to normal or you know it's close to normal, and they're able to host kids on campus for official visits and they're able to do their junior days and and camps and things like that. What is it going to look like if they're doing, you know, if they're having this kind of success through Zoom only,
0: what are they going to do when they can get kids on campus? I think you're exactly right, Dave. You know, and we could just be, we could be sunshine pumpers and we could be kind of speaking in hyperbole and maybe we end up being wrong. But at right now, at least I feel, I feel pretty confident about what this staff can do, especially if Norvell can hold this staff together which I think he's already in the process of, of making that happen. I think uh, this staff could be a lot of fun. And like you said, like George Wilson committed without ever making it to campus. You know, just different things like that. They are able to make these kids feel at home, feel like a family. you got parents that are trusting, parents that believe in, in these coaches, um, and, and you got kids that are buying into the message. And, and that's, I think, the key with Norvell. They can buy in. If he can sell his vision, uh, you'll you'll not only see the cultural change, you'll see a program change uh, just with the type of players that are coming in and coming out and going to the league. And I'm excited about what they're going to do here. Absolutely. You said that very well. I totally agree dave i got like one minute left here real quick what's your next state of the recruiting article uh and just i don't know something exciting you think is going to go on with recruiting here
3: (laughs) yeah so okay so next state of the recruiting we're looking at wide receivers uh we're going to keep splitting up wide. you know typically you know in any other year we would do wide receivers and tight ends together and we'll probably end up doing wide receivers and tight ends in a you know position preview article together But for recruiting, with Norvell being so adept at recruiting and using tight ends, we're going to split those two. And so first up, we'll do wide receivers, which will be another beast of an article because there's a lot of kids that they're looking at, some pretty exciting names out there that FSU is making good progress with. And then after after that, we'll do the tight ends. Now, Tim, here's where I'm wrestling with things. So there's this guy named Travis Hunter. And right now he's ranked as a, uh, you know, top 10 recruit in the nation at cornerback. But Coach A.B. and I have been in that in that Slack chat and we're saying this kid may need to play wide receiver because when you look at his highlights, no one can touch him on the camp circuit. I mean, it is he is he literally it's it's almost like Peter Warwick in a sense that anytime he gets the ball, he's a, he's a threat to take it to the end zone. And I am like struggling. I'm like, do I include this dude in the wide receiver preview? Do I put him in both? I don't know. I guess you'll just have to stay tuned, but man, I'm telling you, he's, he is making a believer out of me that he could be the first legitimate two-way player at FSU in a long time.
0: David, uh, I can't wait to hear that's an awesome tease there on your wide receiver article. Is Travis Hunter a wide receiver or is he a defensive back? I'm excited. That was an awesome tease. Thanks, as always, David. I uh, can't wait to talk to you again. Uh, once again, thanks to David Stout, and, through, and through from Tomahawk Nation. Uh, as, as always, you can go check out the Florida State Tomahawk Nation official recruiting thread. Uh, to get all the updates from david and josh uh, and other contributors at our site so uh perry a couple of quick announcements from the florida state staff they added two staffers this past week and if you want to touch on those real quick
1: oh yeah no we have seen fsu make a nice commitment to the recruiting trail i mean you guys dove into it already we heard the best of the best talk about FSU recruiting. But just with this emphasis on the fact that they can't be in person, they're bringing in the right people. And we saw Ryan Bartow, uh, former 247 he, editor. I'm sorry if I am not familiar with the
0: writers there. Yeah, yeah, proper
1: credentials, but they brought him in uh, Sabath Joseph. If it's Sabbath, I apologize, but I'm trying to go with what I imagine is a proper pronunciation. Um, but he is a South Florida Connect. He played at USF. Like he is somebody who will go and hopefully make those connections and relationships that Mike Norvell and his West Coast crew, like don't naturally natively have. So it seems like it's been working so far. Um, AJ Duffy, I believe was very excited on the 2022 quarterback about Bartow um, getting on staff with FSU. Like it's just nice to see things in motion rather than just like stagnation, especially in the current circumstances we've seen like a very good energy Around everything lately. It's springtime. We're going to get crushed eventually, but we'll ride this positivity wave for a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Bartow created some buzz. I know the 24 7 guys were excited because of that connection. And so, uh, but it seemed like some players like Duffy and others were excited to see that he got brought on. Uh, one other thing before we close it out one, uh, Steve Alford was uh, out and about announcing that Florida State was uh making some strides in their fundraising campaign
1: yeah so they
0: they've they've managed to uh rake in 100 million
2: dollars in pledges officially uh they announced it on thursday during the fsu uh athletic association meeting that they had 100 million dollars pledged on the unconquered campaign which started uh right around the time of the infamous willie taggart (laughs) opening game against virginia tech so despite everything that's happened to the program they've made you know, the, the, the fans out there and, you know, the Mike Alfred with some of the boosters talked about it in his interview with Perry, they're really, you know, getting a lot of a, a lot of, uh, of, of folks stepping up new boosters um, they're reaching a lot of their goals obviously 100 million dollars is a pretty significant sum and a lot of that is going to be going towards a football facility uh sort of put fsu back at the level playing field with some of the big boys around the southeast so i mean it's it's just an exciting time for fsu i mean you know we're seeing those back office uh higher slack so to put it that definitely you know show that there's not stagnation they're continually improving and you know, to do that, you gotta you gotta have some money. So they brought in some money, and uh, they're bringing in more. And we're gonna yeah, have more, more that next week. We're gonna see if we can get an update from from Alfred with Seminole Boosters, and hopefully and we'll have some more for you guys next week.
0: Yeah, like Perry said, a lot of positivity going around right now, which uh, this program always needs. Uh, excited to see what baseball is gonna keep doing. See what the uh, basketball program does against Miami this week. And uh, just again, the overall ride, that momentum wave that's going on right now. Uh, Good. As always, you can check out. Yeah. (laughs) As always, you can check out Tomahawk Nation for all the latest on Florida State, Uh, always have the the latest updates. What's going on with the program, updates on recruiting, Uh, whether it's women's basketball, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's, it's anything that Florida State's doing. We try to cover it there. For free, as always. So for Perry, for Juan, for myself, that's this a has wrap. It's been seminal wrapped. You know, Juan, uh, he ruined you're not it. trying to set you up. Oh, that's a wrap. He ruined it. Up. That's a wrap. Aww,
1: that's, that's a wrap.
2: Bad. That's a wrap. Is that, is that one good? Does that one close it out? Oh God.